is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek Show number 295, recorded on February 2nd. That's a happy Groundhog Day to you, 2017. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite, favorite tech gadgets that find news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in kind of a chilly Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we host the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. want to remind you to download and listen to, if you want to, download and listen to our app. Uh, we, we've got an app. Um, just head out to the either one of the app stores and search for The Average Guy. No, search for Home Gadget Geeks. There it is. Or just head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. I want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of our mobile app. Really the easiest way if you're on the road to listen. And actually, I pop in there from time to time and listen to it just to see how it sounds. Same exact thing you get through our RSS feed. So if you want to get it that way, best way to do it, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And, of course, thanks, LastPass, for their sponsorship of that. We uh, Just a reminder, too, we got a Patreon link available for you. If you want to financially support the show, you can do that through our Patreon link. One and $5 plans per month. Do it for one month or do it for many. Head out to TheAverageGuy.tv and look for the Patreon link or head out to TheAverageGuy.tv dot tv slash support all right we got some news to talk about i'm kind of excited ryan is back ryan pendle is is the the head honcho and the chief stud over there at silicon prairie news and ryan thanks for coming back on home gadget geeks yeah thanks for having me good to have you back hey let's talk a little bit we've had you i was trying to i was gonna before the show go back and see when the last time we had you on i think maybe a year or so ago and i think in the in-between time you and I launched Silicon Prairie News Minute, which I think right, we got yeah. 30 or 40 of those things done and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got up to Heartland Developer Conference and then we just We had started. a lot of fun. It I was fun. Was, was, it was fun. Yeah. We're going to kind of do an extended version of that tonight. <laughs> if, you, if you ever listen to Silicon Prairie News that Ryan and I did, it was four minutes, no more than four minutes, three stories. We kind of jumped in there, and I would ask Ryan some questions, and he would do some kind of commentary. I thought tonight would be fun to do an extended version of that. So we have picked five or six stories from Silicon Prairie News. And if you want to head out there, siliconprairienews.com will get you out there. And uh, we're going to talk about them. I think some dynamite stories, everything from beer to Uber-like truck services we're going to talk about. And, and so hang tight. Um, this might be one of those where if you want to see the articles, you want to head over to the show notes. We'll make those available um, over there. And so you can click on the links and go to the full articles. Um, but uh, that this, this week would be a good week uh, to do that. Let's catch up. Silicon Prairie News, what have you learned there in the last year? I mean, you've been doing this for a little while now. I think the last, like I said, it was a year ago. Anything... You know, and have you learned anything about the, the the industry and what's going on? Is it is it getting any different? And how hard it's got to be hard, right, with some of these big news sources. So yeah, so for for people that aren't familiar with Silicon Prairie News, we cover tech startups across Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri, um, and. Uh, probably the core of what we do is just writing, you know, we do a lot of profiles, just profiling a lot of early stage companies in technology and uh, just talk about what they're working on. Um, it, SPN was started, um, I guess, eight or nine years ago now uh, and was really just uh, because a lot of the tech startups in the middle of the country just weren't getting national coverage. They weren't even getting local coverage because um, <clears throat> a lot of local newspapers and regional newspapers were more interested in covering, you know, the factory closing than, you know, the, uh, you know, 
couple guys in a basement. <laughs> yeah, starting an app or yeah, starting an app. Right, you know, right. You got clients worldwide, and they're you know that kind of stuff. So, uh, so it's really just a way to kind of tell tell those stories, and uh, we've just continued to see that grow. I think that um, if I've learned anything, I've been doing this for two years now, and I think if I've learned anything, it's just been uh, that entrepreneurs by nature are very impatient, um, and they can always they can always see much farther than uh, than you know the way things are now, and so I think there's always kind of that um, frustration. I guess it's it's a it's a creative frustration, it's a positive frustration, but it's that kind of like you know why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we doing better? Why aren't, <laughs> but yes. it's like, they're never satisfied, right? Like they're the most unsatisfied because they're building things, right? They're building things that don't exist yet. So they're like completely unsatisfied um, most of the time, but things are really doing uh, really, really well in terms of, I think the innovative tech community in the region. Um, you know, I think that what we're seeing now is a, <clears throat> kind of second, third generation of, of startups kind of coming around where you have, um, you know, where you have like a company like Huddle that's been very, very successful. They've kind of now spun out other other companies, other products, other reaching into other industries, that kind of stuff. Um, so you start to see uh, people build like that. I mean, obviously, Hayneedle in Omaha, e-commerce company, um, was acquired by Jet, then it was acquired by Walmart. Um, now you're starting. Now you're really just starting to see the the beginnings of uh, e commerce startups in Omaha that are a few people that came out of Hayneedle, worked at Hayneedle at some point, that sort of thing. So that's where you see, like, you know, um, I think we we might get to talking to uh, talking to Ben Vu, talking about Ben Vu. Um, Later, later tonight. But you know, he started he started Battle Bears. It was a 3D first person shooter mobile app. Um, now the project he's working on is a virtual reality 3D mobile app type project. <clears throat> so when you think about if you're you know if you have your imaginary million dollars, who would you bet on? Right? Who would you invest in? I think when you start to see those serial entrepreneurs and you see those people coming out of successful startups building new companies. Um, it's a totally different ball game than just looking at those companies like, you know, hey, you know, they walk in the door like, I got this cool idea. I've never done this before. You know, would you please invest in my company? I think, uh, uh, I think it's just, you know, we're slowly seeing that mature. Um, and so I think it's an exciting, exciting time to, um, <clears throat> exciting time in technology and, and just in the, the startup uh, scene in the region. Um, yeah. just see those build those companies growing and then new companies spawning out of those. And, um, that's when you really get a talent pool. Um, I mean, that's kind of like when you look at, when you look at Silicon Valley or you look at Boston or you look at these different places, Austin, whatever, um, it's that, it's that, you know, creation, uh, creation of the, those startups. And then those startups spinning off other startups that creates that kind of talent pool, um, that gets really deep. And then when you're looking to scale your company, just you know, nearby, they're in your city. They've already gone through this. They know what to do. Um, they've done similar things. So I think it's really cool. I think it's a, a really exciting time. Um, we've had a lot of press around the Silicon Prairie in the past year nationally. Um, I think that rent is getting whenever rent gets really high on the coasts, <laughs> and then that's when suddenly they start 
you know, the national media starts running stories about how cheap it is to live in yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah. or, you know, yeah. so. That's well, in Omaha, Omaha, I think rents are up a little bit too. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of noticing that we, we always face some uh, employment pressure. You know, I'm a recruiter for Gallup, and I think most people who listen know that. And so we're always trying to hire software developers. They're in high demand here in the city. And, and you know, wages are up a little bit, and rent is up a little bit here in, in Omaha. And Omaha continues to still be, I think, the best-kept secret in the Midwest. Uh, lots of great development going on in the downtown area. Lots of great development all over the city. Not too many really bad places to live, and I think some really great opportunities to come to a city and do some great stuff. Uh, between Douglas and Sarpy County, there's a lot of those are really two counties that probably should have been one. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they are divided, but uh, most of the most of the population lives between those two counties, and lots of great things going on in both, and uh, lots of great growth. And so Omaha is an exciting place to be. I love to do kind of these local podcasts uh, with you because uh, we get to talk about what's going on. And I met Ben before. Let's just talk about Ben really quick. You know, so sure. so Ben started a company, Skyvu, and they've been around. Um, they have been around for a while. When we think of startups, Battle Bears was their first, um, <clears throat> their first kind of killer app that made it uh, to the market back in uh, back in the late uh, two thousand. You know, two thousand eight and nine, real popular, <clears throat> millions of downloads. And um, and and it's in, it's interesting. I tried to get Ben on the show. I actually interviewed him at Infotech. I think one of the years, and tried to get him to come on. He's a busy guy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Battle Bears interesting in the sense that Battle Bears kind of grew and matured, and then they created a second version and maybe ran into the, some of the same problems that Pokemon Go did in the sense that it's a lot a lot harder to come up with that second killer app, or and right. then sometimes it's tough to scale it out, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so Ben has moved. They began to have they backed off on some of that, and then kind of kind of pivoted and did. I think Battle Bears Gold. I think is is what kind of what came out next. Um, for most of our some of uh, interesting, if you're a listener and if you've ever done Battle Bears, I'd love to hear if that you're. You know, it's primarily. I think he says you know mostly teenagers, but it'd be interesting to know if any of the listeners have have played that. Ben's here in the Omaha area, um, but then has pivoted. And has kind of pivoted away from games completely. Um, Ryan, talk a little bit about what, where he's going, and and what he what's he thinking. Yeah, so I think that you know what when I talked to Ben, you know the way he kind of talked a little bit about Battle Bears was, you know they they got in, um, they got into kind of the three D three D games on mobile phones right as kind of short, right before kind of all the big game developers jumped in. And so, um, and that's really, I think, what um, kind of made it, it became very competitive very fast for them. And they were, they were competing against a lot of other companies with a lot bigger marketing budgets, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, talking to him, I think his kind of strategy is, <clears throat> you know, what's going to be the next big wave and how do we kind of be at the very beginning of that? Um, and so his, his development team has been... Um, you know, going out to uh, Google, going out to Facebook with Oculus, um, meeting with those teams with their developers and things like that, and kind of trying to get in part of that um, to kind of develop the software before um, reality really takes off. And so I think that, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of anticipation right now in terms of virtual reality and augmented reality as well. And, and uh, you know, what he's... Um, 
what he's kind of developed, he's calling it Places VR. And basically, you know, it's a, um, it's a uh, virtual reality space where you can meet with other people. So you could set a meeting. And as I was describing him, I was like, so what would this be used for? And, and as he was describing it, I was like, oh, so it's like, it's a chat room. It's basically like a virtual reality chat room um, that you can, you know, use through, through one of the, the VR models that you could snap your phone onto. So it runs off your phone, um, virtual reality, and you're able to create kind of rooms or spaces or design certain spaces, have meetings there, um, meet with other people, talk to other people, chat through your phone and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so really it's kind of, you know, if you, if you imagine like someone back in the, you know, nineties, like, like I'm creating a chat rooms, right. You know, you're like, it's pretty like, it's like creating email or creating something well, that, uh, they, there was just... second life, right. Was it, wasn't that what it was called? Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. 10 years, 10 or 15 years ago. I, I think that was computer based. And so you kind of, you know, this is fully immersed now. So that idea has kind of come around a couple times. But with the with the advent right. of virtual reality getting so good that it's kind of right. back again, right? It's I don't know if we have very many new ideas, but right. certainly this is back again, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think I think what's what's fascinating about the challenge that they're working on is just that, um, you know, the products that they creating something like that has to be so lean and so, I mean, you know, like he was talking about just even the challenge of how do we create a library of objects for virtual reality that give you a lot of freedom and a lot of creativity, but also don't tax your phone and tax your processing power and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's basically kind of like, how do you create Legos, right? Like, how do you create, how do you create the fundamental building blocks that everyone can use um, without kind of getting it too complicated too fast and yeah. so that was really fascinating when i was talking to him was just about um you know you know uh you got to worry about battery life battery life on people's phones you got to worry about the complexity you got to worry about memory you got to worry about kind of all these factors and how do you keep that as lean as possible so that you're using as little processing power as possible i mean it's just it's it's a it it seems really easy, right? You know, but but it, I think it's a really hard problem. I mean, just in terms of how do you build something that's going to function on? You know, someone just snaps in their phone, they maybe got half charge. You know, are they going to be ha or be able to have a two minute conversation? Yeah. Right? Like, what are we talking about here? So yeah, you I mentioned you mentioned in your article it says our beta testers. This is a quote. From Ben, our beta testers are averaging a very uh, a very high average session length. Google is seeing the same thing with sessions at thirty minutes. Other apps will drain the battery in thirty minutes. So places places VR won't do that, and so they're they're really beginning to think about you know how how do we make this experience last longer? How do we stay in it? It's interesting. Um, just as a side note, I tweeted this uh, later last week. I think um, as I was traveling last week, or I can't remember, maybe a week and a half ago or so, I came across this podcast. Uh, it's, it's a new one for me. It's called Cyber Squid Radio. And they had they'd interviewed a PhD who had done this TED Talk on the 11,000-year battery, which is interesting. So we're always talking about 
battery life and how to extend batteries. And we, we kind of think in terms of the lead acid battery or the lithium ion batteries. Mm -hmm. But this company is actually using diamonds and our existing, you know, so when we use enriched uranium for our nuclear power plants, right, when that fuel is spent, there's still a lot of waste in it. I mean, the fact that it has to go on for that we can't touch it for another 10,000 years, right? <laughs> Means it's still very active. And they can grow these diamonds and then expose them to this radiation and it stores energy inside of them, that energy that's coming off of the, 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 the you know, the, the uranium. And, um, and they can charge these diamonds. And then these diamonds will create these batteries. And today, uh, wow. not really ready for cell phones yet, but they have been running lights and some other things off them, a little lower voltage. And of course, those charges go for thousands of years, which is pretty interesting, right? And they themselves are not hazardous from that standpoint. Once they're charged, they're not hazardous. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, head over to Cyber Squid Radio. I totally recommend this podcast. The name of the podcast is 11,000 Year Battery. We talk about this all the time, Ryan, with tech devices. Um, and I found this very interesting that these guys are close on some things that would really take, because I always think when I think of battery life, I always think, oh, we're not even close. Like they've been working on this thing for like 40 years and we still are using double A batteries. Right? <laughs> you know? And they're the exact same thing they were in the, in the eighties when I was growing up and they were in the sixties before that, like we haven't changed battery technology in a hundred years. Right. It sure feels like it hasn't been that long, but so interesting you know we think about these kinds of things and we think of vr and we want to extend the battery life it will be interesting to see some of these newer technologies as it comes around that's the i think that's the big that's the next big thing right i think battery battery technologies are the next um the next big thing i am struggling with a little bit i mean i'd love to see ben be successful in this i'd love to see if we get into virtual reality in that way right i'd love to see something productive like what could we do or what kind of problems could we solve that we could do in there based on technology and so that the APIs associated with it are not just chat based or not just relational based, but could give us the opportunity to do some things in there virtually around science that we can't do in the real world, right? I mean, if it will allow us to solve some problems or engineer some products or test some things out, that's when I think VR gets really good. You know mm -hmm. what you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I guess you could, you know, I think about like Second Life and something like that. I mean, I think like when, um, when chat rooms were a really big deal, I think a lot of people have already imagined, well, what happens when we have virtual reality? What happens when we have kind of all these different, um, you know, or trying to create 3D worlds where people can chat and interact and why did they take off, not take off? I don't know if you think of Second Life as a success or a failure. I think it's still around. And people, and people like, I think I still make money off of this. Like people still create virtual products in Second Life and actually create, you know, like generate real money off of it. So in, in terms of a cultural moment, that's maybe passed. But um, I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, what we have to figure out i mean one of the, to me one of the one of the interesting things with the virtual reality um is just like with the the security issues so you know there's um uh, i was reading an article the other day about how um in virtual reality if it's capturing your motion that if you capture someone's motion your um everyone has their own unique motion signature so in virtual reality if someone is able to match your motion signature, read your motion signature, they can know who you are. So there's really no anonymity. So someone can either 
imitate you or track you or, and, and that become, you know, so you now you have all these new security issues along with, you know, being able to track people in virtual reality. I can physically know exactly where you are, you know, based upon all of these sorts of things. So I think that, I mean, it opens up a, a whole big, whole big bunch of issues. And I think that, um, we don't seem we don't seem to like back down from these things, right? We just seem to like plunge straight into them. I think it's so, good. Though. I think yeah, it's. Good. I mean, that's, what, that's it's, what a, it's a frontier, right? I mean, I think we don't get rewards without risks. And I think yeah. if we're if we, you know, if we if we're so cautious, I mean, if we were that cautious, we never would have done banking online. And and think what really? kind of look where we've gone with it now. It's still really not great, but it, we, I think it will get better, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, we're doing some amazing things. We're going to talk about a product here maybe in a little bit that's going to help with that. But it's, you know, it, we got we to gotta continue. It's like a big frontier. We got to continue to take these risks and try things and see where they go and see kind of what they do and how successful they would be. I think VR is in that space. We've been watching, I don't know, have you been watching Westworld at all? John, John Biggs got me hooked on it. Have you been watching Westworld at all? No, I haven't. So I, I yeah, I had, I had a baby, I had a baby a couple of months ago. So oh, like, congratulations. I think that's right when that was coming out. It was like, so. but, but you should binge watch it now that, you know, the baby settled in and find it, find some time. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'm four or five episodes in and that, and the concept is what happens when the, the virtual, you know, the, these robots, so to speak. I probably shouldn't give this away. What happens? So, by the way, spoiler alert. So they're robots? <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh. All right, just so people know. So, so what happens when they start recognizing they think they're alive, right? And they live in a world where they, what happens when they start to find out their, their whole programming has made them think that they're real. That's been the beauty of the you know, the beauty of the experience for the guests coming in. But what happens when they start realizing they're not? And that's interesting. Like, you know, if we lived, if we began to live in a, you know, it's the whole premise behind the matrix, right? From that standpoint, if we begin to live, and man, there's been a whole bunch of conversation lately, and I don't know why it's popped up in the last year or so, but a whole bunch of uh, conversation around, there's a chance we live in a, we live in a virtual world now, Right, mm -hmm. kind of deal that we're and it's just interesting. That whole argument is super interesting when you start thinking about that and the numbers and the perfection in our system and how everything's based on math. And so you just kind of go, are we discovering that we're in a big simulation? Right. I think that's what they call mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Simulation science or something like that. So yeah. interesting. We're hey, virtual reality is still not there yet, right? Interesting though, is we see guys like Ben Vu begin to take it on in, in that in that kind of sense. What will that mean for the future? And could I become so immersed in the virtual that I don't separate myself from the real world at that point is, is I can live there and it feels very real to me. And so, right. yeah, it's kind of, you know, I think we're hundreds of years maybe from a technology standpoint of being in that spot, but very, very possible. Well, I don't want to spend yeah. the whole time talking about that because I think there's some yeah, other yeah, cool, yeah. some other cool topics out there. One in particular is say, all right, so tonight my son bought me this infusion it's a vanilla bean blonde, right? And so I, we try different beers here at the Carlson House all the time. Thursday night's my favorite night because I bring one to the podcast. But there is a company out there, uh, and this is this is pretty interesting, Smart Beer Flights. And, uh, and they're making this. Let me go over to the page here, and we'll grab the link and throw it in the chat room. If you're a, beer, if you're a big beer fan at all, everyone's trying to figure out, you know, there's – there's apps around, you know, tracking the beers that you drink and, you know, some of those kinds of things. 
untapped being, I think, probably the largest one. Looks like, think about a square, and it's got four circles in it, and you, in a, it's like a paddle. And they, they give you this interface where you can pick the beers, hand it over to the waitress. She goes and fills those up and bring them back. And then from, from the paddle device, it looks like you can share and send it to social and track it all from right there. So, Ryan, first of all, we just had a baby, but first of all, you a beer guy at all. And second of all, what do you think of this flight bright? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think that definitely with you know the rise of the rise of craft beer, I mean, it's just it's just crazy how many different kinds of different kinds of beer, the microbreweries, um, going to breweries, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it's just um, kind of an explosion of creativity, um, and I think it's a uh, maybe a lot of people maybe it's a foodie thing mixed with a you know DIY trend where. People can, you know, I know I had I had friends back in college who love to make make their own beers, try their own beers. How do you know? How do you make it work? Um, all that kind of stuff. So I think that there's a lot of interest in that right now. And then I think you know, combining combining kind of the foodie trend with the DIY trend, and then combining it with the data trend, right? And the the Internet of Things and every, you know, it's like it's kind of bringing all of them together. It, is. it looks like a um, raspberry pie on the end of a panel, uh, this paddle, right? And then right. this, it looks like this uh, 80s, you know, this really small screen that's got kind of, you know, 80s looking graphics right. on it. And then four holes in it, right, for the beer. Yeah, it's right. pretty awesome. <laughs> Which, yeah, we maybe someday we'll combine with like the places VR so you can have a beer with, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that so with with every with every startup that I look at, and I think that you know when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, what they what you really have to think about in terms of what the real value is of any business today really comes down to the data. So it's almost like you got to kind of flip it. So you say, oh, here's this really cool thing. Customers will love it. Businesses that are going to be serving up beer, they're going to love to you know have this cool experience that'll get people to come back and get people interested in it. People sharing, you know, people sharing on social media about where they're at. All those things seem really positive. Um, but then ultimately it's like the more, the more restaurants they can get into, the more bars they can get into, that's data then, right? That's data on what people are buying, what people are liking, um, how much people are actually drinking, all that kind of stuff. Then that becomes data that then now they can, I mean, you know, this might, my my thinking about this, you know, this isn't how they're talking about it, but you know, basically, what data are you gathering, right? And then now you can go back to beer producers, right? You can go to back to people making beer, people marketing beer. You say, here we have this data set. This is what people are looking for. You know, um, country. I mean, that you could just divide it up however you want in terms of, okay, what's popular in what cities, so we can push those things more. Are certain you know certain beers really popular at certain times of the week or certain times of the day? Um, you know which ones are the most kind of viral beers where people like them and you can kind of watch them spread. So it's like once you you kind of flip it and you look at it from kind of a marketing perspective or from a business perspective and you think like, okay, how much how much would you pay to have this information about what your customers really really love about their beer? You know, so I think other than you know, it's better than maybe trying to invent like the smart beer glass, right? You know, or something like that. Probably already been invented, right? But it's like, uh, I think that looking at it from the data perspective, that's usually where, 
you know, investors and stuff like that are kind of interested. Okay, what kind of data are you able to get out of this? Um, and how much are people willing to pay to get access to that? You know? Yeah, and they said it could be, it could really be customized for any kind of thing like that that you wanted to track. Right. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It just has the holes in it. The the fit just happens to fit the tasting glasses or 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 the you know the, the flights that uh, that they put out. But and could be customized for a six or an eight or a twelve flight bar, right? From that standpoint. And so mm -hmm. there's lots of great things. But I, I do think the micro trends are in there. Uh, not to not to have a pun there, but the the trends and like you said, where you could um, track a lot of that stuff and even in real time and what what are customers thinking? And I think there's some interesting things too that you could do from an advertising standpoint on the paddles that once you've, of course, um, Applebee's is big on this here, at least in the Midwest where every table has a tablet basically on it and you can play games or, although what I find is that tablet ends up on the other end of the table hidden uh, people don't like them, uh, but but you can uh, at least what I've seen. But you could play games and pay the waitress or order more food that way. It makes it kind of convenient. But in real time, those breweries could get some feedback on what's selling tonight and what's mm -hmm. you know what's selling more than than others. And and I think that data can be you know can be kind of important. So the the um, it's a great way. It's interesting, right? That that mm -hmm. that concept of being able to track it in time. And then I think too. There's a social aspect of it being able to pair it with an app. Uh, so those flights automatically make it right. into your app and you can rate them from there in an untapped or whatever to be able to do that. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, yeah, with the, with the app too, you can, um, there's so many different things you can track once you have, you know, once you have access. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the question is sometimes there's too much data. Like in, in, in right. you think there's a trend's going to emerge and really what emerges is like, we don't know. We still have all this data, but we don't know. We don't know what that means. We don't, you know, and, you know, I remember I used to deliver USA Today newspapers when I was in college and, you know, I had a route of, let's say 300 papers, right? And I would fill these, you know, in the day, I would fill these racks is what we call them. You know, you put a couple quarters in, open the door, pull the paper out. Nobody does that anymore, but we'd fill these racks. And man, I, for the longest time, would try to come up with trends. I kept track of rack by number because we'd always count returns on the next day. You know, when you're picking papers up and you get credit back for those, you had to track all that stuff. And I had, you know, I had sheets and sheets and sheets of data and you'd start thinking, okay, I can start telling trends on Monday. So I'm going to put, you know, as soon as you think you got it, I'm going to stack that thing because you the, the goal was to get the just the exact right amount of papers in there, right? Yeah. And so you would you would so you'd think, okay, Mondays it's going to be ten. You'd put ten in, you'd come back there, it'd still be eight there, and you're like, man, for the last five Mondays, this is sold out, right? And so then you so you you're thinking, all right, well I must have got this wrong. I'll bring it down some, and you bring it down, you bring it down, you bring it down. Pretty soon it's like two or three, and you're getting, you know, you may have one or two left, and then it sells out. And then for like four weeks, it sells out, sells out, sells out. Like you can't, it's sometimes it's really hard to predict those consumer trends, even though you think they should be pretty stable. You know, right. a rack in a hotel or a rack in a, in a hospital should sell roughly the same about of newspapers every day. Not yeah. necessarily true. So I do, even though you can get some of this data, I think sometimes it takes some real, you know, some real smarts to figure out what it means. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's kind of like, you know, in terms of careers of the future, I mean, I think the people, the people that are able to like genuinely draw real insights yeah. from massive amounts of really messy data, 
you know, really like you get you get data and it's not clean, it's not organized, it's not you know, no, it's awful. Like all that kind. Of, yeah. I mean, you know, anyone whoever whoever is able to make sense of that um, is going to find a lot of work for sure. Well, and Emily says the benefit for the customer is just keeping track of the beers they like. And I, I'm in this <laughs> boat. I forget. Like I'm like, oh man, that was a really good beer, and then I don't have a clue. You know, like what was it? <laughs> and so that that there is some of that. Um, you know, there is some of that for us, the consumer keeping track and keeping track for me. And, oh yeah. Although Ryan, I'm going to admit, I have a little bit of tracking fatigue at the moment. You know, I think about what I track, you know, I can track my fitness. I can track my steps. I can track the food I eat. I can track the beers mm -hmm. that I drink. I can, you know, track how far it is, what the traffic is to work. I can track my times, the gas mileage I get, you know, we, we get the clothes I'm wearing, how often I wear them, you know, all these apps, Sometimes I'm kind of feeling lately like I used to love to track all that stuff. And now I'm kind of like, God, if I got to turn on one more tracker, <laughs> you know, if I need to track one more thing and I get why we do it. But don't you think, have you felt that way at all? Like we just measure too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's like what people say, oh, it's like, you know, the more you, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever gets tracked gets managed or whatever gets yeah. you know measured gets managed or something yeah. like that where it's like uh you're tracking stuff then all of a sudden you're super aware of it so then if you track everything right then you're like super hyper aware of all the things you're doing which is maybe not really it helpful for be, folks. it have some anxiety too you know yeah. uh, that adds to some people's anxiety and and focuses on things that you're always thinking of. I think the hardest time I ever had eating was when I was thinking about eating all the time, <laughs> you know? And if you kind of just, although I'll admit, every time I've successfully lost weight has been when I've tracked. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's yeah, just, yeah. The, I know it totally works. I just, I just sense a little bit of tracking fatigue. Like I, you know, I got yeah, this yeah. Microsoft band, right? Awesome device, had it for a year and a half. I track, I track, I track less now on this thing than I did before I got it. You know, it was like, yeah. I just, it, it was, it's, I can't like, oh, when do I sit down and look at these reports? How can I, yeah. I mean, I could spend a well, ton of time. Yeah. Well, so you're talking about tracking fatigue. So, so we, uh, so we just had a, just had a baby, I had a baby with my wife and we got this That's app. A good thing. That's a good got, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, we got this baby and, uh, and we had this app where we would track every, uh, every bottle feeding, how long it lasted. I mean, you just like, you tap, you know, you tap when you yeah. start, yeah. you tap when you stop, you have to put in how much, you have to put in whether, you know, what formula it was or whatever, tracking the diapers, you can track the sleep on there, you can track all this stuff. So then when we go into, uh, you know, go in and see the doctor, um, we pull up our app and, and it's just like, you know, what world do we live in? This is totally natural to us, right? Like, you have a baby, you download the app, you know, like there's, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I don't know what I'm going to tell. I don't know what, what it's going to be for my kid when he has a baby, right? Yeah. It's going to be something totally different. They'll just put a chip in the baby or whatever, but it'll be like, uh, <laughs> so we download the app and then basically we just like, our doctor just looks through the readout, right? They just look through, here's, you know, like what, you know, how often you've been feeding him, how much you've been eating. Yeah. Okay. It looks like it's doing good. And so, yeah, it just becomes that, you know, um, I mean, I think that, eventually hopefully a lot of these personal assistants like you know the siri the echo all that kind of stuff they'll be able to track that right in the background where you, you can hand that off to them right and you'll they you know just like hey you know let me know if my exercise seems to be low or let me know if you know whatever whatever i'm doing you know just like 
alert me if if something unusual happens, right? Or, you know, this is my goal. So I just encourage me when I need to do something, but don't like I don't need the full rundown all the time. So I don't know if I don't know if ultimately that fatigue will just be like, I just want I just want a virtual assistant to like manage that for me right but at the same time yeah like i'm on a plane and my phone or my my wrist buzzes and it says like get up and get some steps and it's like hey jack yes (laughs) i can't like i'm in the seat they told me to leave my seatbelt buckled right you know and and so you're it's a little frustrating you know you're like um you know and and i don't feel like they ever still really know me yet like you know, they've got a lot of data on me and I've attached it to a lot of things and I still feel like they're half assed in the data sometimes, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, I get it, you know, hey, if I haven't, if I haven't taken, you know, if I haven't taken a few steps in the last two hours, you know, remind me, right? But then you're like, hey, you've got so much more, you know, I'm on a flight right now, right, you right, know right. that, right? you know, and so I think we've got some, I think we have some time to go and I think like you said, I would... I think there's so many things going on around us that we're not taking advantage of data that isn't made its way to be managed. And hey, I, I think it's being gathered today on our phone. Like it knows where we're moving and when we're moving and what area we're in. And it, it can it can tell a lot about, you know, our um, just by the way we hold it and what we do with it and what the situation is and the time of day, you know. And I, I don't I don't think any of these AIs have gotten any better at really being able to be very helpful. I've I've really tried. I've been working with Cortana and Google Now and Siri and Microsoft, and they're all still lame. You know, you're like, yeah. all right, so great. I did. You know, the other the other day I was walking around DC, and shoot, I got fifteen thousand steps in a day, right? Just uh, in the city, you walk around a lot. But what does that mean? Like, and does that, you know, how does that appear in my life other than having to log into the app and look at it and go, oh, woohoo, I got 15,000 steps that day, you know? Right. And I get that, and it's motivating for people, and I get that too. I don't want to demotivate anybody by that. But it just, it seems like we still could use some help in this area of of making things better. So it's great that we track it, and 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 in this kind of app where, where it tracks the flights of beer and stuff, I get it. Mm-hmm. So I just love to see us make that next step. We've been promised machine learning and AI and all this stuff for a while. <laughs> Yikes. I still don't think well, we're any smarter, right? Well, with, think, with, yeah, with gamification too, right? So you have this data and then you add on these you know, like arbitrary badges and awards and compete against other people and all the, you know, so that adds like a whole nother level too. Like I was, I was just tracking my walking, but now I can, you know, like walk against other people or, you know, I can do all these other things or I'm working to earn some kind of badge <laughs> that yeah. was just kind of decided. So that yeah. becomes this whole right. other level too. Yeah. Right? And I get it. Some of those yeah. things, I just think we can get smarter. Uh, we can get smarter with our stuff. Right. Um, in, 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 and I think that's going to be a trend that's going to need to continue to grow. Hey, speaking of smart, I think this is a good idea. And I think it's, is it pronounced bungee? Is that the way the yeah. so so Bungie is the Uber for tr- for pickup trucks, right? And how mm-hmm. often, you know, here in Nebraska we have Menards, and I go in the parking lot and I see, hey, you know, rent my truck for, um, you know, rent this truck for twenty bucks, right? And but I got to go to Menards and I got to pick it up and then I got to drive it home. U-Haul's even that way. How cool would it be if we think about pickup trucks? So could you Uber a pickup truck? Hey, I need to. Uh, I need to get this thing. I need you to meet me over at the store. We're going to load it up and bring me home. So there's this company that's called Bungie that's doing that. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? 
Yeah, so Bungie was started by uh, two college students at Kansas State University, um, Ben Jackson and Harrison Prophet. And uh, basically, um, uh, basically Ben Jackson uh, was getting, he had, he was like one of the few kids on campus who had a pickup truck. And uh, there was one week where he just, kept, people kept asking him like, oh, can you help me move this? Can you help me move that? Can you help me? And so he's like, oh, I was doing, I was helping him <laughs> to move stuff. And I just, I was just like, this is too much. Like, I can't, I can't do this enough. And so um, basically worked with his friend and they were like, well, what if we like, what if you could get paid to do this? Right. Like people always have this need. Can you, can I borrow your pickup truck? Can you help me move something? That sort of thing. And so basically they tested out for a summer in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, they tested out uh, kind of this kind of Uber for pickup trucks kind of model um, and they found that it was really, really popular. So now they've um, moved on to Kansas City and they're kind of testing it out in the Kansas City area and kind of developing that. Um, but basically it, it works very, very similar to Uber, uh, but it's you just, um, basically if you need something moved, someone comes there and helps you move. And uh, to me, what you know, what's interesting about it is here you have this kind of other, um, other elements. So like with Uber driver, right, you have someone that's just driving you around. Here you actually have someone who like will lift stuff for you, right? Like you can, you have a couch or you have a table or you have a chair or whatever and you need, you need to put in the pickup truck. They're going to help you put that in, you know, put that in there. They're going to help you unload it, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of adds that other level. Um, it's, into it's like it, two, but, two men in a truck, right? We've got that two men in a truck, and right, right. But, but it's kind of like on demand, demand quick, yeah. you know, that kind of scale. So I think it's really exciting. I mean, obviously, um, they mentioned in the story that there's some other other people that are kind of doing similar, um, similar sorts of things, and so I think, you know, when I think about Bungie, I'm thinking about okay, you know, <laughs> Uber driver, the the Uber long term plan, right? Is that um, you know, we're going to have self-driving cars. You'll just call up your Uber and it'll just pull up and you'll just get in. There won't be drivers. Um, but I think that having someone that can help you put in, put a couch in a truck or put a chair in a truck or whatever, um, that's probably not going to be as easily automated, right? So you're going to have, you know, <laughs> maybe that's what will be left. We'll be, you know, Bungie will be the last, <laughs> uh, you know, where you actually have someone physically yeah. there to help you move something. Um, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, listening to them talk about um, what it's like to develop something like that, you think Uber, it's so easy. It's just so friendly to, you know, you just like you open it up and you push the button and you call it and it works out fine. But when they describe it, it's like, so this is a, it's a GPS app, but it's also a payment processing app, but it's also got an algorithm to decide what the best driver is for you. If you add on, if you want to have like a, a, um, a, uh, like a ranking system, like a point system, right. That's a whole nother process. Um, so it becomes, so you're not just, this is like a, this is really hard to do, right? Like creating an Uber and making it, you know, really simple. It's like, you're talking about maps. You're talking about GPS. You're talking about dealing with payments. You're talking about dealing with ranking, you're talking about all these things. Um, and for anyone who's ever tried to create an app, this is the, like a big, you know, not, yeah. yeah, no pun intended, but it's a heavy lift, right? <laughs> it's like a, yeah. it's a pretty heavy lift. So uh, I think it's uh, it's a pretty bold project. And uh, But I think, yeah, I think the, the idea is really cool. And um, I know I've had plenty of times where it's like, oh, man, I'll finally had a pickup truck. I just need like a pickup oh, truck. For sure. 
like for, for a day, three yeah. days, you know, three days out of the year. I need like really need a pickup truck. So I went and picked up something from Menards the other day, and we just got an Outback. And I I tried to get it in the back of the Outback, mm-hmm. and I was like, nope, not gonna fit. Now it would it would it would not have been cost you know it was cost prohibitive to necessarily call in this case to call Bungie for a <laughs> it was a seven dollar item right that I couldn't get in the back of my car. Maybe it was eight. Um, you know, it's, it's tough, uh, on their website, it says, you know, how much does it cost? They say they charge a dollar a minute and a dollar a mile with a $30 minimum to get something across town. It usually costs around 40 bucks. Time starts when your driver arrives at the pickup location and ends when your driver is done unloading. You'll always receive an estimate before the trip. We learned about pricing the hard way. Uh, find out what that means by clicking here. So they must have some good stories, uh, as well. And then, um, it says, wait, so Bungie, uh, um, so is Bungie like a moving company or pizza delivery? And they say, great question. We'd say somewhere right in the middle. Think <laughs> on-demand delivery for large items. We work well with Craigslist, wholesale warehouses like Costco or Sam's Club. People need um, people who need help with small moves and furniture slash retail stores. Essentially, we just want to be available for your next I need a truck moment. Mm-hmm. And so that that is one of those. are like, oh, man, I just need to get this. I, that's probably the sweet spot. How do I get a mattress home from Nebraska Furniture Mart, right? How right. do I get a? How do I get that fridge? Like for me, both a mattress and a fridge too big for my outback. It's just not going to fit in there, right? It's not designed for that. Right. That would be, you know, Furniture Mart. It's probably hundred dollar delivery to get that. And if I could get that, by the way, they're not in the Omaha market, but on their website, it does. They're saying we'll come to your city. You know, vote for your city, and so you can go on right. their on the page and put Omaha in. But yeah, yeah that would be perfect, like a fridge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they did. They, they talk about in the article about, you know, they that first summer when they were trying it out, partnering with Pier One and basically just working with another business and saying, we can basically get you, you know, same day delivery um, for a business that typically couldn't offer that. So there may be businesses, you know, maybe um, smaller businesses that would really be interested in, hey, if I could partner with, you know, uh, Bungie or, or a similar company, you know, then now I get a, now I get to have this service that my customers can use. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is there um, anything so. a bungee will not pick up? This is interesting. <laughs> Our drivers are strong, but they're not supermen. We focused on items that you and your driver can lift together and put in the back of a truck. And it, so maybe a fridge is a bad example. Cause that would take a, that would take probably a hand truck to get that back mm-hmm. there. In addition, we do not allow the transportation of anything hazardous, illegal, or breathing. <laughs> That's good. That's good to clarify. Believe it or not, some people don't understand that. And then there's a link. See the most absurd requests we've ever had. Hazardous materials as well, right? They won't they won't move those. So you can click on their website and uh, it's got a picture of a guy with a burning barrel of trash in the back of the, <laughs> the back of the truck. They won't move those either. So um uh, oh here's here's a list. A grand piano, a boa constrictor. A crate of deer urine. Mm, that sounds interesting. <laughs> a dozen puppies. Uh, a crate of fireworks that were described as faulty. <laughs> Half melted and still smoking tractor tire. Yes, that's considered hazardous. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing, I guess, when you think about this. And you start a service like this, somebody always takes it right too far. Too far. You know, and I wonder what, I bet Uber has got some stories. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that comes up with, uh, you know, with drones, too. A lot of these companies that offer drone, you know, stuff, I mean, they have to kind of say, like, you know, like, 
you know, will you drive, will you drive a drone? You know, will you fly a drone over our competitors? Right. <laughs> like, will you drive? It's like, well, you're going to get these gray areas. You're like, you're like, do, will you, will you do espionage for us? Basically. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, probably not. but you know what? Someone always takes it to right. the end. I, you know, I do a lot of customer service for Gallup and, uh, you know, in our strengths practice. And you think it's pretty cut and dry. We've got a lot of instructions on our website and a lot of things to read. And you still get those crazy questions. You know, what if you take A and divide it by B and then, you know, and you're like, <laughs> oh boy, here it comes, you know, and and uh, the customers will always find the crazy, right? They right, will always right. find the crazy things to do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so pretty cool. Maybe they'll come to Omaha, Kansas City. They're in the Kansas City market. Omaha would be a natural you know, lift for them, so to speak, yeah, no, yeah. no pun intended there, for them to come up and uh, and be a part of the Omaha community. So maybe they'll make their way, maybe they'll make their way up there. That is interesting because yeah. it sounds like you said there's competing markets on both coasts maybe. And right now people are trying to figure that out. And I think the best, well, the best marketed will win, right? I think we mm -hmm. know that going mm -hmm. in. Yeah. We we had alluded to this earlier when we think when I, I mentioned bank security, but there's been a big acquisition here in the Midwest with a company called iVerify. Uh, Ryan, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of the one of the biggest investment stories um, of the last year in our region um, was when a company out of Kansas City called iVerify they were sold to Ant Financial, um, which is the subsidiary of Alibaba. It's basically their their um, Alipay, they run the, the Alipay system for Alibaba. Um, so they acquired iVerify and basically, you know, iVerify is a, um, one of their main products is like the ability to do um, biometric um, security check, like basically, uh, you know, holding up your phone camera uh, to your face and you can log into your bank or log into whatever you know financial accounts just by that camera looking at your eye their software analyzes your eye and they can check and um, verify your identity um and so that was sold for a hundred million dollars um and so yeah it was a, a huge huge story for for our region um one of the biggest you know exits we've had in quite a while so that was a big big news um uh what, what, every, what everybody's shooting for, right? This is the the big payoff. They happen one in a year or one every other year, but all these all these small businesses here and you know all these startups in the in the Silicon Prairie are hoping for that hundred million dollar right, <laughs> right. payoff from that standpoint. By the way, nothing new. Like Microsoft does this with Windows Hello on a Windows phone, except nobody owns a Windows phone. Mm -hmm. So you know this really brings that i technology. I'd love to see it, and I'd love to demo it um, uh, to see. Now they they are working with several banks already, and so if you're a Wells Fargo customer, I find that hard to believe. And maybe it is. It's on the Wells Fargo app, on the Wells Fargo banking app. They're by, by far the largest retail bank here in the United States. Um, so some good good customers there. They're also customers with Community American Credit Union, which in the Kansas City area again, that's a big bank about 28 locations in the Kansas City area. But this, uh, they're also customers of Mountain American Credit Union, which is a $4.4 billion credit union, which is, I was on a credit union board. That's a big credit union, <laughs> like $4 billion in a credit union. Um, I worked for a Midwest regional bank here with 200 branches, 280 branches. We had 17 billion in assets. So, you know, they're probably in the 50 to 100 
uh, location, you know, again, for a credit union, that's pretty big. So pretty interesting when we think about the, those are the three big customers. I'm sure they have some smaller ones that show up on their website. But, um, you know, Ryan, I think like that's when we think of two-factor on the phones, I've been using the just the crap out of the two-factor that comes on an iPhone with my finger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that yeah, works yeah. out really well. If right. we could get this eye thing working pretty well, that 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 would be a, a really nice form right. of, uh, of two factor. Yeah, and there's a there's a uh, there's also a company based in, based in Omaha that's called Valid Voice, and uh, Valid Voice um, they do uh, voice recognition, so very similar kind of thing. And I think it's just within a few seconds of talking, you know, they can they know they can you know check your voice and that sort of thing as well. And, and, uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty exciting, pretty exciting thing. And I think it's also any, you know, those companies that really become valuable, um, the, the companies that really become valuable are the ones that solve a really hard problem. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, anyone that's dealing with those algorithmic, um, security issues and stuff like that, I mean, those ones are, they're, they're not easy. They're not something you think up in your dorm room, right? It's <laughs> something that you work on really hard with very talented people, really smart people working on it. Um, and that's why you get, that's why you get these big acquisitions, the big, you know, that's why the big deals come because you're, you're solving something that's actually a really hard technical problem. You know? Yeah. We, we had the guys from Shelfie on, I don't know if you had heard of them. They were some West coast guys that created this, algorithm that would look at the spine of a book and would figure out what the title is and then match that up to a, you know, a, a, the Library of Congress number. And then they would see if there was an available e-copy available for cheap. And they were making deals with the, with the book companies to be able to sell those at half price and taking a cut. I just got notification from them. They are closing. So it's a tough, like, and I'm sure their technology was solid. Like it, the, mm -hmm. the, the ability to take a picture of a bookshelf and then have it go through and it could basically OCR the bookshelf and, and be able to get different fonts and different sizes and get them this way. I'm sure their scanning software is going to show up somewhere else. But Shelfie didn't right. make it from a, a company. We were sad. We'd interviewed them twice, and it was pretty mm -hmm. cool to have them kind of as a startup. But it's, you know, it is one of those things you mentioned. It is hard. I mean, these technologies are hard to do. And great ideas. I thought Shelfie was a great idea. Not all great ideas end, you know, end well. And mm -hmm. those guys were, you know, this was his, for Peter, it was, I think, his second, um, his second startup. And uh, I have to, I have to contact him and kind of get the backstory on it. But it doesn't always guarantee great technologies don't always make their way, you know, the, the make their way in. Certainly this second biometric check is awesome, but is that going to mm -hmm. be something that's going to necessarily catch on and the consumer will take on? Right from that right. standpoint, and make it and make it that way. So sad right. to see those guys go go away at at, at Shelfie, but um, certainly it's um it's a tough market out there. Hey, we should have mentioned this while we were talking about the about Bungie, but there's also another Uber variant when we think about this company called Liberty, and they're doing this rural idea of Uber. So how do we get there's hundreds of people that are not served by a taxi service or maybe even an Uber service in some of our small rural communities, of course, in Nebraska and Iowa and Kansas and Missouri, the, all the states that Silicon Prairie News is, is services, we have tons of rural, rural areas out there where that happens. Ryan, talk a little bit about what Liberty's doing to try and solve that problem. Yeah, so um, so Liberty is a is a ride sharing service for rural areas, as you were saying, and 
basically, you know, we a lot of the, the reason why services like Uber and Lyft and stuff like that work is that obviously there's a certain kind of density, right? There's a density of people who need the service. There's a density of people who will be drivers, that kind of thing. And so um, those really function on that density. Um, but there's but for people in urban areas, there's usually already there's other alternatives. There's obviously there's taxis, obviously there's buses, all that kind of stuff. Um, but for people in rural areas, uh, it's maybe even a more urgent need um, than it is for even for people in urban areas because there's such a lack of public transportation in rural areas, and there's a lot of people who whether due to disabilities, whether due to aging, um, for whatever reason, they can't get around unless someone gives them a ride. Um, and so, I mean, so then you're dealing with, you know, health issues, mental health issues, um, even just getting basic groceries, all those basic kind of functioning. And there's people, people in rural areas that they really need a ride sharing service, right? They really need a way to get a ride from get a ride from someone. Um, and so Liberty is kind of uh, developing what that would look like. Um, they are uh, they are currently uh, have um, uh, taking in drivers in Nebraska and in Ohio. Um, they've been working with the University of Ohio. They're actually based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, where University of Nebraska is. Um, they're also uh, um, working on working with Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, to bring this to Texas as well. Um, but really, I mean, there's, it's, uh, you know, we kind of have this ubiquitous kind of Uber model or Uber metaphor that we keep using for all these things, but um, it's a very different kind of thing. If you think about rural areas, there's things are a lot farther apart, a lot bigger distances. Um, there's a lot less density. So if you imagine how would I create an Uber for, locations that are really far away from each other and there's not a lot of people around right call, like that's call a, and wait for a week right yeah so like so this there's some like you know real like challenges to kind of overcoming wow. that um uh the other thing uh the other thing too is uh um at the end of this year they started developing a call center um because you think there might be a lot of people that they're trying to serve trying to reach who don't don't do apps or they're not quite sure about apps. So now, okay, so maybe you're don't have an app or you we're not you're not gonna download an app. Okay, they're gonna call a phone number, right? So they call a phone number. How does that integrate with this system in a way that you could pick up a phone and call, get a ride to come and pick you up or whatever that sort of yeah. thing? So yeah, yeah. um and there's also a lot of um, you know, interesting opportunities in terms of nonprofit grants, in terms of getting potentially state or federal grants that might support a service like this. Um, and so I think that, you know, right now there's no competition in this area. Sometimes no competition is a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, right? Sometimes it means like there's no competition is a bad, it's a sign that it's, you know, it's not, a market. not a lot of people going in there. But, um, but at the same time, like if you can, if you add up all the people that live in some rural area in the in even in our own country let alone other countries um there's still a lot of people right that's a lot of people so if you can figure out how to make that work in nebraska or in texas or something like that um i mean i think there i think every state is going to see a huge need for some kind of service like this right yeah, yeah. and do it in a way that maybe is not most efficiently done by the government or most not most efficiently done by public service. Um, if there's a way to do it really efficiently using um, 
using a kind of private model, you know. Yeah, and that scales out if we can scale that out, even without apps, that there can be a phone-based service and maybe even some kind of automated phone-based service where you could call in and using old kind of um, IVR technology even to get a, a ride scheduled. You know, you'd think about in some of these communities, oh, they're talking in the chat room, they're talking about, you know, people who have medical conditions. This is a big right, deal. Yeah. You've yeah. lost your license, right? They're not letting you drive in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so, but a lot of these people have very regular appointments. Like, you know, I go see my doctor every third Tuesday or whatever, where that kind of, those kinds of things could be scheduled and then optimized. And I think Ryan, this is when we think of a, like an IBM Watson, I think this yeah. is really where that optimization kicks in, right? Is putting customer to, you know, driver to drivee or the person who needs a ride and doing it in a smart way based on people's calendars and distance and locations and who's willing to do it. And it may not even be where a driver even necessarily schedules himself as a driver, but says, hey, hey I'm willing to help in this thing. Let me know in advance. And I, and I think in some rural communities, Everybody's willing to do that. They just need to be told when to yeah. do it. Hey, I need you. I need to swing across town, pick up Mabel, take her. Right. You know, I need you to take her into town, so drop her off. She's going to be ready in two hours. And if a couple of those can be scheduled, I mean, that that may work in rural communities. Right. But it's only scalable. It's not scalable when when it's only in. And this is a bad example, but it, when it's only in Salina, Kansas, right? It right. needs to be in. It needs to be in Kearney. It needs to be in Grand Island. It needs to be in Salina. It needs to be in Topeka. It needs to be. We need to get all these cities so that one company can actually make a run at it and make some right. money off. Because the margins are going to be razor thin, right? Right. You right. can't. Because Mabel's not going to pay fifty bucks to get right. to the doctor. She can't. She can't afford it, right? From that standpoint. So yeah. we got to get enough of these things going so those companies can cover their costs. But I think this is where the Walmart model or if a company can get in the rural market and make it work in a lot of rural markets, there might be a chance for 25, you know, companies of 25 in a call center right. to be able to get something like this done. Don't you think? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, the kind of irony is that a lot of with the ride sharing services with um, services like Airbnb and all that kind of stuff, a lot of these um, rely on, or maybe, maybe don't rely on, but there's a certain level of kind of human trust right? That's kind of part of these things. Like I'm going to get into yeah. a stranger's car. I'm going to go into a stranger's house sort of thing. Uh, and really, you know, rural America, small town America, that is like the, the, you know, the, uh, I guess the mythical heart of, right. Of human trust and generosity and kindness and, you know, reaching out to your neighbor, helping the other guy, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of that thing where, there's, um, I mean, I love, I love the name for the company. I think Liberty, kind of, it's got, it's got kind of that American, yeah, good old boy spirit to it. Um, but it also expresses exactly what the service is about, um, and the freedom and all that kind of stuff. But you know, at heart, it's like, you know, neighbors helping neighbors, um, you know, people reaching out, people giving you a ride, people, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. I, I hope they do well. I hope that they're. They're able to kind of make that work, and and uh, like you said, you know, if it, if there's if there's regular trips, right? If there if people can kind of regular trips, and you can kind of schedule all that stuff together, um, maybe it could even package two drivers, right? It could say, we know there's enough there's enough demand at this certain time, you know, here's a good time to drive instead of an Uber driver sitting around waiting, right, or just hoping that. They're at a peak time, yeah, right? This would serve you up a time. Say, this is you know, 
in the next week, here's good times to drive or here's when we need you. Yeah, um, kind, kind of matching of that demand. And it may be even a situation, we'll talk about this with this other product here in just a second, but maybe one of those situations where it matches it, so it helps in, so maybe the appointment's at two, but a driver, there isn't a driver available. And so it auto changes the appointment for Mabel so that, hey, I, we can't get mobile, Mabel here till 3.30. So it, it go ahead in advance, changes that appointment like you would a reservation, you know, a, a table reservation. Right. This is where AI, again, could be really good, right? Where it would call ahead and say, hey, we need to, let's change this, th this appointment to 3.30 because that's the soonest time we can get her. And then somebody swings by, picks up Mabel, brings her in. And by the way, picks up somebody else there at the clinic and brings them back because it's smart enough to know that. So Tony Rayner in chat says his hospital system has a pretty advanced transportation system. And I think yeah. in some in some larger cities and then even some maybe some middle-sized communities, the hospital understands, I mean, shoot, we understand in the inner city, the problem of getting students to events in areas where income is low and opportunities are low. Shoot. They're not, they're not short on opportunities. They're short on transportation, right? Yeah. And, and so getting, we know if we send a van, it changes everything, right? Yeah. And so um, that's kind of cool. And then he says for, uh, for routine visits, many patients call, and I love this term, the cabulance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of, it's, we, we have them, right? They're, they're ambulances that, well, you could just call. Now they're very expensive generally, right? That's the thing. Yeah. They're you call one of those services and sometimes they're pretty expensive to get, shoot, an ambulance is pretty expensive. Um, it, it, and so there's some, some, you know, some cost associated. But what I love, Ryan, I love the idea, especially is that it's thinking about the problem, like the truck deal, where it thinks about this really odd problem that only happens every once in a while, but it's still a need, right? We've always like, oh, I wish I just had a truck. In this case, it's like in the rural communities, how do we get transportation when it's just not as, and you got to get the community involved. And you're right. The, the, the barriers come down because Mabel knows Jimmy who's going to pick her up because, right. you know, you know, her, her son and Jimmy are friends, right? And so there's, <laughs> there's, I just made up a whole community right there. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> One of the things Sarah's rolling her eyes at me right now. One of the things that uh, I was at the, as I was at the Epley airfield, our airport here in Omaha the other day. And I noticed as I was going in the parking garage mm -hmm. that, now, they now have lights that are all lined up along the row. So when you pull in the parking garage and there's there's green, green, red, 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 right, green, right, green, right. right? And you can kind of see where the next parking spot is, right? If it's green, it means there's a space that's open right there. And right, yeah. It's super cool, right? But, and I, is this, I think this is pronounced fellow. Is that a fella? Fellow? Uh, I think it's actually philo. Philo? Okay. We'll say philo then. Yeah. I like fellow. That's kind of cool. Yeah, like, like, you know, somebody. Cool. It's like the guy who's looking out for you in line. Same kind of idea. <laughs> Very interesting, though, when we think of queuing up, and I think this would be a big deal in really large places where you think of like stadiums and some of those kind of things, these technologies. So, talk. what's the problem here and what's it solving? So, um, so basically, the, the problem is you go into a grocery store um, and you look down and you can, there's maybe a huge long row of all these checkout lines and there's different numbers of people in all of them. And you're trying to figure out, okay, which, which line is going to be the fastest? And you think, oh, I'll go to the shortest line. Sometimes it's not the shortest, the shortest line. It's not the fastest. It's actually the slowest line, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so basically, um, uh, basically what Philo, uh, does is it uses uses cameras and sensors um, 
to basically figure out which lines are moving fastest. So it could it's tracking how many people are going through, how long it's taking for customers to go through, um, how much stuff customers have, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the lights, the lights that usually light up if a lane is open, um, will change colors based upon which which lane you should go to. So lines that are moving fast will be more green. Um, lines that are moving a bit slower will kind of slowly move to yellow. And then lines that you should avoid will turn red or kind of turn orangish red, right? right? Um, and so basically, uh, basically it's a grocery store system. It's currently in um, a high V here in the Papillion, which is, uh, um, which is in the Omaha area, and uh, they're going to be expanding it to some um, some more high V stores in Iowa very soon uh, this year. And uh, but basically, it's a, just a really intuitive system from the consumer side um, to figure out which line you're supposed to go into. Um, in the in this kind of test case where they've used it, uh, a lot of consumers don't even realize that it's like they're they're using it right, but it's so intuitive. They didn't realize they're just like, oh, I'll go where it's green, right? It's so they, they that built towards that. Like, so yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I just went to the green line. I guess that was the, the red one. I avoided that one. I don't know right. why. Right, right. No, um, build, building in some very intuitive behaviors that we already have. Yeah, but but in but in the end, they think like, well, I had a great experience at the grocery store. I don't know why it was fast. You know, like it was, I don't know if it was faster than usual, but it was fast. And um, the cool thing though, is from, from a manager's perspective, um, they're able to track, um, you know, how fast checkers are going through, how fast um, carts are going through, whether people are using baskets or carts. Um, one of the really cool things that they discovered just by, just by, uh, they didn't realize that they were going to be able to do this, but the cameras were able to trick up, pick up if there were, objects on the bottom of the cart and for anyone who's ever worked at a grocery store i worked at a i was a cashier when i was you know uh when i was younger um often people will intentionally or unintentionally leave objects in the bottom of their cart and then they'll walk out the store you know walk out of the store with stuff in their cart um and that becomes a major loss of revenue for for companies every year stores can lose um you know tens of thousands of dollars every year from just merchandise leaving the stores because people have stuff in the bottom of their cart. Well, these cameras can pick that up. And so they can just quietly alert the, you know, the register person like, Oh, there's something underneath the bottom of the cart. Um, and so they can check that as well. So saves a lot of money for stores. Um, and there's just a lot of, you know, uh, there's also a lot of really cool features too. So like the, um, Obviously, when they need a when they need a manager to come, the the light will blink. So often, when you see a blinking light at the store, that's because the manager um, they need a manager. Well, the way uh, the way this system is set up, um, if there's multiple lights blinking, the the most urgent one will blink faster than the other one. So, like the one that's been waiting the longest will like blink the fastest, and the other ones will blink slower. And so. A manager who's walking around saying, "Where do you know? Like, where do I need to go first? It's the lights can kind of tell them intuitively, like, this is the one you got. You got to get over here first, right? And then you can go to the other one. Then and go to the other one. Kind of like tells you kind of 
software to kind of put out the yeah, kind of based so. on urgency, right? So right, it, it yeah, gives yeah. the manager some kind of immediate clue. The faster it's blinking, it's like they need you there right now instead of them just all going off at the same right. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, so there's a lot of cool features and uh it's it just seems like a really what I like about it is just that it's so intuitive. And the guy who created it, Jacob Richards, um, he he's a really remarkable guy. Um, really just fresh out of college, engineering student. He built the whole thing himself. So if you go in the store, all the lights, um, his original prototype that's in the store uh, looks just like a professional lighting system. I mean, you wouldn't even tell, you can't even tell. I mean, it just looks like it was, fits right in, blends in right in with the store. He manufactured all of it in his own garage, um, put together all the LED lights together himself, um, developed all the, like, all, I mean, he, he um, installed all the camera systems and, you know, he was able to just pull out like an iPad and basically say, here's a live feed of every single lane. Here's all the stats. You know, here's the, um, uh, here's the, the, um, the, you know, here's like all the graphs, right, that the manager can look through, say here, you know, what are our busiest times of the day, busiest days of the week, when are people, you know, using more hand baskets, when are they using more carts, um, you know, how how different checkers are doing, all this kind of stuff, um, and all the different ways they can, you know, save money and all that kind of stuff. So they could even, you know, say, okay, when we get alerts on what's at the bottom of the cart, having pictures of all the, you know, what are those objects that keep going to the bottom of the cart, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just like, um, you know, really with cameras and sensors and, and computer vision, really, it's kind of the fundamental technology there. Um, uh, I think it's just a really cool package. Obviously, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, it was just the data, right? So the data side is where we see a lot of the value. And I think what a lot of businesses will be really interested in is yeah. kind of, Okay, now I got all this. How are my? How do my consumers function? What kind of experience are they having? All that kind of stuff. But really it'll cool it'll cause a revolt. There'll be a protest by the checkers because it will show <laughs> who's faster and who's not. Anytime yeah, we yeah, do yeah. these kinds of things, right? And then they'll say it's not fair because these kinds of things take longer than other kinds of things. And I have these customers. This is where I think management has to be really, really careful on these things. Just to yeah really still individualized because this, the system will pick up some weird behaviors. And then of course, management tries to fit, makes these things efficient and will always make mistakes in trying to incent things. Like you still want to give really great customer service, even right. if it's slower, you know, right. you want to incent the right behaviors and not just the quickest behaviors. And this is where we run into problems with technologies like this is then you try, you, you know, you reduce your staff to just how fast, I mean, we see this in call centers all the time, right? It's, you know, what's the whole time and how fast can you be on the phone? Well, if you work for a bank and you're in a call center, you don't always want to be the fastest, right? You want to take care of all the customer's needs and you want them to have a dynamite experience when they're on the phone. This is what killed the banks back in 09, right? 08 and 09. So it's, yeah, a drashness as efficient isn't always better. Yeah. And so it's interesting. Uh, hopefully the management, it's, this isn't the Papillion High V. Is that right? I got to go out and take a look at this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that at? Papillion. Is that the one in um, in Shadow Lake, the in the mall? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll check that out. That's the kind of the one. If I'm going to go, that's the one I kind of <laughs> go to. So well, there you go. I'll have yeah, to. You may have already used it, right? <laughs> no, I've been in a while. I used to okay. run a bunch over there at um, uh, the the lake out there on 96th um, okay. Oak. 
Mm, what's it called? Anyways, I would go buy Hy-Vee and pick up Gatorade on the way out. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd swing by there early in the morning, pick up the Gatorade, go run, and then I'd have, I'd have it. It's a nice Hy-Vee, nice big Hy-Vee. So we'll have to check that out. Well, Ryan, we get we got through it all. Yeah, I think six <laughs> six really good. Yeah, no, six really good stories in there um, of what's going on here in the Midwest, and I think a really good indication of. You know, some of the cool stuff that's happening here in Kansas City and when we think of, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, and and Iowa, some of the cool technologies that's coming out of the groups here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, what's really cool is being able to, you know, I have such a great job because we look at all these really cool technologies in terms of artificial intelligence, um, augmented reality, computer vision, um, all these kinds of different uh, technologies. And, you know, there's people all across the country that are working on these technologies that are deep in these technologies. You know, these aren't things that um, are happening somewhere else, right? They're happening in your backyard. People are playing around with these. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, it's just so, just so cool to see, uh, see the, see how these technologies develop and see all the different ways that people are just diving right in and, you know, pulling things apart yeah. and figuring out how they work yeah. and developing all those things. And, and uh, like you were saying, you know, not holding back, not um, just taking risks and trying new things and building stuff in the garage still. And yeah, love you know, it. It's like the, the entrepreneurial spirit is still alive and well, and you know, people, people keep doing stuff. So yeah, no, it's always cool. And it consolidates. If it's a great idea, it gets bought up and then consolidate Eric, um, one of Eric, you know, Eric, because I didn't get your permission. I won't use your last name, but Eric just sent me an email, uh, recently. And he, I guess he got a notification from log me in and they, you know, log me in is one of those companies that acquires, right. All these technologies. Yeah. And it says, we're happy to announce that on January 31st, 2017, log me in Inc and Citrix systems, Inc get go subsidiary, a wholly owned subsidiary consisting of the go-to family of products completed our merger. So LogMeIn now has merged with this, with the, you know, with the, uh, the Citrix system mm-hmm. of companies that is there. And his question was, so what happens to LastPass, right? We're big, <laughs> we're big LastPass fans. Of course, LastPass got purchased by LogMeIn. We just had Amber on, oh, I don't know, back in the winter, uh, back in December or so. And she said that uh, LogMeIn had still continued to leave LastPass, kind of infused some cash into LastPass and then, has really left them alone to do their own thing. And they got a new version out as well. And their web interface looks great. And so I'll have to ping, uh, Eric, I will ping Amber uh, with your email and say, hey, is everything okay? You know, do that. <laughs> everything okay over there? Uh, I think so far so good, but but we'll see as well. But that happens in this space, Ryan, right? You see yeah. this all the time is there's that merger we talked about. Uh, we talked about those guys getting, you know, the $100 million buyout. And that's a big deal. I mean, that sets mm-hmm. some of these guys up for their next, you know, their next big entrepreneurial adventure and something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously that, you know, the payout to all the investors, the people who, um, the people who invested in iVerify, that that all feeds back into the system. But I think that the long-term value is there's going to be people from iVerify that are going to stay in Kansas City. They're going to build businesses about, you know, security, um, biometrics, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be more companies. Those people are going to have more companies. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there's people in every company where they're like, yeah, like I know I could really solve this problem in our industry, right? Like I know yeah. I could, if I just had some, some extra time, a little bit of money and a couple of friends, like, I think we could really solve this problem. So I think that's, what's always fun. 
Yeah, well, as as we wrap it here for this part of the live show, real cool story. So before I was doing all the research right before the show, and I thought, man, Liberty sounds like a really cool, I mean, it's got mission, purpose-driven, trying to solve this problem. So I shot him off an email. This is before, this is maybe an hour before we did the, the call. So I sent their customer service info at libertymobilitynow.com. And I said, hey, I got this podcast. We'd love to have you on. Would you do a, you know, would you do a live podcast at eight o'clock at Home Gadget Geeks? Valerie over at Liberty uh, Mobile Now just sent me a note back. Hi, Jim. I'd love to. Let's shoot for April. So that's a good, it's a good story. I need to do, you and I have talked about this. I, I need to do a better job of following up with your, you know, you, you got these great stories and I should ping every single one of them. And, uh, and not all of them will do it, but uh, get them interviewed here on Home Gadget Geeks. And, um, and maybe I get, maybe I get someday, Ben, I'll say yes. That would be yeah. great to have, <laughs> have Ben Vu. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. imagine once they're, I know they're going to be um, releasing publicly, like their places VR public version. Um, I think they were talking about, you know, having it integrated with the um, uh, Google, uh, just blanked on it. Um, I forget what it's called too. The new dream. Daydream, yeah, Google yes, Daydream, there we go. Uh, have it integrated with that. But they're they're going to be releasing that, um, I think, sometimes sometime this year. So that might be a really great time. You might want to come in and kind of show that off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, schedule, yeah. schedule them in advance, you know, just say, hey, yeah. no, no pressure. Just want to work, work for your schedule. So it'd be fun to get them on. Ryan, thank you for yeah, thank you. taking the time uh, tonight. Yeah. Hang around for a little bit of post-show, but uh, yeah, thank you for taking the fun. time to jump in. Always good. The extended version of the Silicon Prairie News Minute. I think there's some... <laughs> We should do this maybe once a quarter. I think there's yeah. probably enough news to to cover that and go beyond. I think we figured out it works pretty well. So thanks for jumping on. I remind everyone, yeah. if you want to financially support us and what we do here at Home Gadget Geeks, we've got Patreon links out there at the website. Just head out to theaveragegeguy.tv. One in $5 plans. Um, I need to come up with some good gimmicks and gadgets. I say that every month. I just haven't necessarily had the time to put them together. But one in $5 plans, if you want to. I haven't had anybody do it in a while. But if you're interested and you like what we do, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash support. You can do it that way as well. If you want to send me an email like Eric did tonight, kind of saying, hey, what's going on with Logme? And Eric, thanks for doing that. I'll ping Amber over there at uh, LastPass. But if you want to send me an email, send it to Jim at theaverageguy.tv, best way to get a hold of me. And just a reminder that the theaverageguy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get, and I just saw Christian when I was in D.C., spent Sunday with him at the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C., which was kind of cool. But get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and you, tr and you trust, and that's Christian, of course. And so you can get more information. Plan start for, for podcasters. Great plan. Ten bucks a month. Get you going. Visit maplegrovepartners.com for more information. We thank Roger out at WLMN Radio for broadcasting this live each week. Although I don't know if this part of the show ever makes it because I only think I get an hour. I think I get from 9 to 10 Eastern a.m. Monday through Friday. I think that's when the show broadcasts live there at WLMN Radio. But uh, Roger, thanks for the work that you do for us. So as you broadcast us there in Grafton, West Virginia, we also want to thank LastPass and we'll follow up with them, but LastPass for their sponsorship and what they do for helping us with the mobile app. Again, head out to homegadgetgeeks.com and download that mobile app completely free. And we thank LastPass for their sponsorship of the program. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We're back. Uh, actually, Emily, Emily and I are coming on. Is that, Emily, is that next week? I think. Uh, let me pull up that schedule really quick. And, and Ryan, I didn't mention, but I gave you all of about four hours notice. No, I guess it was yesterday, wasn't it, when we talked? <laughs> so maybe 24 hours notice is what I gave you. So thanks for 
Thanks for saying yes in 24 hours. But uh, yeah, Emily is up next week. Speaking of extended versions of things, uh, like we did an extended Silicon Prairie News Minute here, Emily and I are going to do an extended version of her story behind. So if you like that podcast and you're into that, I've, I've been pivoting that. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and so if you if you want to see an extended version, Emily, Emily and I are working on a couple stories that we're going to dive deep into around the story behind some of these tech things that are out there. So it'll be kind of fun. Uh, so join us here next week. If you can join us live, all the better. John Zadler agreed to join us on the 16th. So if you're if you remember that name, John Z, he's back. We're going to talk about some of the crazy circuit board stuff that he's doing. And then, of course, Paul Brayern's jumping in. Paul's got a new job. He's no longer with IBM, and he's now um, he's now doing VMware. And so we'll catch up with Paul Brayern around that, around the 23rd of February. So we've got some great programs going uh, for the next couple weeks. So be sure to join us live, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern at TheAverageGuy.tv Live. And with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.